got a good show for you guys. Personally, I like to think we have a good show for you guys every week. But um, today we're going to be talking about two great tax breaks that anyone can take advantage of. And we're going to talk about one, two of them that are good. So we're technically going to talk about three, but two great tax breaks, one kind of crappy one. We're going to look at some math on it. And then uh, Dominic's going to jump in of Robes Advisors. And he's going to go through and talk about in anything in life, whether trying to get a job or something like that, trying to get more clients, what is the appropriate amount of follow-up before you officially become a stalker and how to do it in a cool way that doesn't turn people off. All right. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? You, uh, you're up in Berkeley or something, right? Yep. Right down, representing. I got the shirt here. You guys can't see it backwards. In fact, I hope it doesn't see this, but I got a client of mine up here that's cool AF, as the kids say. And yeah. I'm go by and surprise them and uh, bring him a bottle of champagne because he just got a new job. So hopefully he doesn't see this until afterwards. But, you know, he normally joins in. So, um, yeah, I'm visiting a little vegan hippie love child. She graduates in six weeks. So, um, and I haven't gotten to come up here and see her a lot because of COVID. So she's been all over the place. So. Looking forward nice. to it. Got the window open. Nice. I'm staying in the Berkeley Marina. So it's cool. You've got the whole city of San Francisco right there. But let's like get, who went first last time? Is it my turn to go first or your turn? Yeah, to go? I think yeah, you should go first. Three tax tips, man. That sounds good. Uh, I like one that. Of, one of them sucks. So. Well, there you go. You don't want to do the third one. Well, you might. But uh, here's the thing. So. We talk a lot about the importance of having a business. And so having a business is great. And really, this is one of those things where you don't want to say, well, I don't have a business. This doesn't apply to me. I'm going to keep clicking. The answer is no. When our country was founded, if you go back to prior to World War I, the majority of America was self-employed. That's why from the very inception of the tax code in 1913, so many of the rules were written for self-employed individuals. That was considered the backbone of our country. Then we got into much bigger corporations with the Carnegies and the Rockefellers and those guys. And so more and more of America became employees. But the code was still written and developed for people that were self-employed and it continues to favor self-employed individuals. However, those aren't the tax breaks we're going to talk about today. We'll save those for another time. The ones I want to talk about today are section 121, section 163, and sections 401k and 7702. So let's go through the good ones first. Section 173, uh, 163 is the Mortgage Acquisition Indebtedness Debt Code. I brought my espresso, espresso machine with me, Dom. So I'm nice. Espresso right now. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of goes with me everywhere. But uh, And I'm three in, but it's tax season, so I haven't been getting tons of sleep here lately. So last night was the first night in more in two weeks that I've gotten more than five and a half hours sleep. But nice. uh, so here's the way section 163 works. And I'm going to give you guys a tip on this. 
and then we'll tie it all together and we'll flip it over to Dominic. But what the government says is, look, if you're going to buy a place, we will let you write that interest off up to, it used to be a million dollars of acquisition indebtedness. Now it's 750000 So whatever that interest is, particularly now that interest rates are rising a little bit, it would appear, you can write that interest off forever. And here's the key point. You never pay it back. So mm-hmm. this is not recaptured and you get it on your primary and a second home. And a second home can include about an RV as long as it meets certain conditions. It has to have like a bathroom and a kitchen and I'll read those off on another time. So So what's your point here? Well, number one, when it comes to living, one of the things that I hear is people in a rush to buy a place right now, particularly one of my clients just sold his house. The reason he sold his house is he's having some health challenges and he was worried that the market was too high, which it may be, we'll find out. But what happened was now they are about to pay $3,500 or $4,000 a month in rent. And they're worrying like, oh my God, we got to buy another place. We're going to lose out. And we're throwing that money away on rent. Um, And that is a real common theme that I hear. Rent money is just being thrown away. And so we'll address that in a moment. But one thing that you guys all want to keep in mind is up to $750,000 on two places combined you can buy it and write off all that interest. And like I said, the key point is that you never, never, never pay it back. Now, let's take it one step further and talk about Section 121. Section 121 is the exclusion that says, as a single individual, you can profit up to $250,000 on the gain of your house if you do own one. When you go to sell it without paying any tax on it, and it's doubled if you're married. So $250,000 as a single individual, $500,000 married, you pay zero income tax in the game, and you can do this every two years. And by the way, one of the questions I saw flash by is, is this only if you have a business? No, this is for any. So these these tips today, you guys, whether you have a business or not, And we'll tie together again. How can you use this to maximize what you're doing? But back to this, we just had a client sell their place here in um, Solana Beach, which is kind of like midway between downtown San Diego and where I live. Um, They ended up moving to Hawaii. They had bought the place for 383. They had turned around and sold it for like 1.1 million. Nice. us finish their taxes on it. And because when you go to sell, you not only keep, you don't pay tax on what you originally paid, right? The 383 in this case. You don't pay taxes on any improvements you make on the property. So in other words, 
we went back and we're doing that for this other guy right now. Like, did you find me every receipt? He's like, oh yeah, we got to the place. We did this, we did this, we did this. I'm like, great, give me everything you got because we're going to add that to what you paid for the place. Then we take our $500,000 deduction. And in this lady's case, they walked with several hundred thousand dollars. And we figured out the taxes stayed about 9,000 more than they normally would. So they profited probably 600,000 net, seven net, but because of stuff they had done along the way that we were able to add back in, their tax bill was minor. And it was minor to the point where when we went over the tax review with them, I'm like, this looks really good. She goes, oh my God, are you sure it's right? I'm like, that was my first question. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. December three times, they're solid. We just took it off of everything, but it looked too good even for, for me. So um, those are the good tax deductions. <laughs> Let's talk about the bad one. The bad one, in some cases, 401ks. Now, if you guys have heard me speak before, you know about eh, once every month, and I'm probably due for a good one, I go on a rant about 401ks. <laughs> why they stuck. And um, let me just pull this up. If I can remember how to spell his name. I think that's close enough. And it won't let me have anything. All right, Dominic, I'm going to let you speak for a little bit in a moment here. And I'm going to okay. report on the bad tax one. But um, once a month-ish, I go on a rant about 401ks and why they suck and why you shouldn't have one. And again, there's exceptions to every rule. Obviously, you want to take a match. Always. They're giving you right. free money. Look, we're not stupid. We want all the free money we can get. Right. End of the day, beyond that, most companies do not contribute to your, your 401k. Your employer is not contributing it up anywhere close to the maximum that you can put inside. And I can literally name two exceptions in the last 10 years where companies contributed more than um, matched a contribution of more than 10,000. The government lets you contribute almost double that. And the problem is twofold. One is because the taxes are not saved. And I want to make a huge point here. When you write off a mortgage interest deduction, you never have to go back and pay those taxes back. You're done. It is a true deduction forever and ever. Amen. As opposed to a 401k where you are not saving or deducting anything, it's a reduction of your salary and you're agreeing to be taxed on it at a later date at whatever amount of taxes they claim at that time and they will turn around they control that deal you have no say in it and you're locking up all your access for that money for that period of time if you need it and i'm writing in the middle of a thread on why 401k loans are not a good idea unless you absolutely have to have one like everything that can go wrong with it so yeah maybe you can borrow against it but those rules are super strict mm -hmm. um you're just paying that tax later, and here's the catch to the whole thing. 
They don't want the tax on the amount you deferred. They want the tax on the amount you deferred and everything that you made from that point on. So if you defer in your 20s and you defer $10,000 a year now, I mean, hopefully it's not worth $10,000 40 years right. now. Hopefully it's worth a little more than that. And it's very likely to be worth $50,000, $100,000, depending on market appreciation. And now that's the amount the government wants to tax you on. And they control how it's taxed and how much you pay. And you have zero say in that deal. Absolutely zero say. So that's the reason that we say, look, yeah, take the match. But beyond that, let's have a conversation because what gets people into trouble, now we'll tie this together and then I'll come back with the math for you guys in a moment. What gets people into trouble is we are taught as a society, pay your mortgage down as fast as you can. You know, Dave Ramsey has this whole, the borrower is slave to the lender. And uh, there's a joke. Dominic, do you watch the Babylon Bee at all? You ever look at no. those guys? They, have a, they, have, they do like satirical headlines, and they had a great one, which is uh, a few months ago. It's like a Dave Ramsey visa that when you apply for it, you immediately get told no. It's literally like just someone picks up the phone and yells at you, no. Dave's a big <laughs> right. don't have to go to his website. Now that you're on the honor system, and you will not buy. I can't do a good Dave Ramsey, but I'm going to practice it and come back to you guys with a good Dave There you go. Impression. But... Um, Dave Ramsey is like, don't use a credit card on our site. You're on the honor system. You know, you'll understand why. Um, another Dave Ramsey headline is about called to catch a borrower. It's like Dave Ramsey is sneaking around trying to catch Christians using their credit cards because it's a sin. It was funny if you know Dave Ramsey. <laughs> so, tie all this together. And then Dominic's going to get a turn to chat for a little bit. And uh, while I look up some numbers for you guys, that'll straight blow your minds. But so here's the thing that gets people in trouble. Number one, we are taught to pay off our home as fast as possible because we're in debt. So people rush to put money into that. But you can't get that money back if you need it unless you prove to the bank that you don't need it. So you have to go through an application process to get your own money. Set, or you have to sell the place. Secondly, we're taught to put all the rest of our money into 401ks, where now we have restricted our asset, access to that money for decades in some cases. Then something comes along like we need a new roof or a transmission goes out or we have a surgery coming up. And now even though we're supposedly doing what we thought we were going to do, or even I would say worse, an opportunity comes up that a liquid person can take advantage of. And we can't because we followed the good advice and all our money is tied up in all these places. So it's something to think about long and hard about where you want to be positioned and look, I don't want to go conspiracy theorist on you guys, but I think the whole point of kind of why they steer everybody that way is because you're a little more dependent on them. Am I right? Am I wrong? Who knows? But um, it's something to think about. So one last comment on, are you throwing your money away with rent? Absolutely not. You need a place to live. 
houses do not always go up in value, even though they have gone up for the last 11 years, I would, I do not, you know, just an opinion, and I want to stress that, but it's an opinion. I would be very cautious going into a new house right now. You know, if I was young and new out of college or getting ready to move a place, I might wait a little bit because in my opinion, the market has gone up pretty much straight since 2011. And usually it moves in about 10, 11 year cycles before we have a correction. You can get in much more affordably. Back to this family that sold their house and is now antsy to get into another one, even though they sold it because they were concerned the market was too high. Here was my comment. The wife told me, well, I am throwing away $4,000 a month on rent. And I'm like, fair enough. You know, like, I understand that. But here's a couple things to think about. Number one, let's say it's a year before you guys buy a place. You sign a year lease, market cools off. You're looking in the million-dollar range, right? Which, in where, where, Dominic, where you grew up and where I live now, isn't really even anything super fancy. That's just kind of like going rate. Right. So I'm like, if there's a 10% correction on housing prices, not 40, that's not even a, a, an actual crash. That's just a correction. You turn around a year from now, your million dollar house is worth 900,000. Now you quote, threw away 50,000 in rent, but really at the end of the day, you actually came out, if you can now turn around and buy a place, for nine hundred thousand, and let's say we even made three or four percent on the money just sitting there, we got some of that back. And finally, how much of your mortgage interest in the first year goes towards principal, anyways? If you're making a three thousand dollar a month payment, you know twenty eight hundred in the first year is going towards the interest. So again, just be very careful about being in a rush to make a poor decision when, uh, because you think you're throwing interest away, you know, throwing rent away. And again, when we went through the math, they were like, oh, okay, you know, I never thought it. All she saw was, God, that's $50,000. I'm like, well, yeah, but hold on a minute. So anyway, Dominic. Yeah, I think, so just to kind of interject on this a little bit, and so for those of you just joining on, I know we got a bunch of people who just came in on the, the little bit here. You're on the uh, Make More, Keep More show with uh, Ron Carruthers. He's Ron, I'm Dominic. Uh, he, I'm the Make More, he's the Keep More, though we both know a little something about both of those things as well. Um, but to, to, to go through this, you know, obviously one of the big points of the show, as you can kind of guess by the title, <laughs> it's all about making more money and keeping more money. And so Ron went through three tax tips too. If you just missed this, it'll be posted on his feed a little bit later and you guys can check out those tax tips. But what we're talking about is things like section 163, 121 versus like a 401k and writing off your mortgage interest. And so for some of you, I think I've had the same question, you know, where we live in LA, uh, prices are crazy. I mean, our house is darn near tripled since we bought it two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, right? Or or doubled, I should say. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you think about that. Well, what if I sold right now? And then you go, oh, and that's the, that's the part that hits you. you go, oh, well, what if I had to go pay rent? Oh, that would suck. 
you know, and, and I think you bring up some really valid points because part of what we talk about, about making more money, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is the ability to have access to ready cash. Like, and if your cash is tied up in your home, not necessarily a bad thing per se, in the sense that like, uh, you know, it's obviously good to have value in your home. We're not expecting you to mortgage your home to the hilt, but just understanding that there are opportunities. So think about it from from the perspective of even in our my own personal situation over the last two years with the whole pandemic and things going on. My wife and I have had opportunity to buy, I don't know, half a dozen businesses, right? You know, the the and the, those things have come up, and if you have ready cash, you could take a look at those versus, you know, go back to the days when we were getting our business started and opportunities like that came up and you're like, oh man, that'd be awesome. But there's just no way. I mean, I don't have, I don't have the cash for that. I'm barely, you know, making my, my payments, right? So anytime that, that you guys listening in can think about how you can make cash available, that's a big thing. In my mastermind group, I made a, a part of the thing that I talked to them about this couple of weeks ago was set your cash in the bank goal for the year. Like we talk a lot about what your revenue goals are for the year. We'll talk about, you know, how much money do you want to make this year? Or how much money do you, what, what kind of things do you want to do? Do you want to, you know, my group's all trying to get down to like a three hour a day work day, maybe four days a week type of thing, really limiting their, their amount of work. Cause you can get a lot done. I mean, it's the Parkinson's law, right? What are you going to do with the rest of the time if they're only working three hours a day? Well, find investments in places to make their cash work for them. Right. So. They were like, yeah, we just want to go hang out. It's like, man, y'all are going to end up looking on stuff on the internet that you're not supposed to. <laughs> That's idle hands. Idle hands, man. Idle devils. That's saying I don't even know. Workshop. I don't even know. For something like that. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, we put, you think about it like, okay, so you can reduce your work week, you, get, you can make more money. But the, the real goal is how much money do you have to have in the bank at the end of the year that you can use for stuff? Because you just talked about market cycles. 10-year market cycles are pretty typical. We're 11 years into one. There is some prediction that we might extend out a couple of years because the last two years will we'll add on to that. Maybe we'll be in a 13 or 15-year cycle this time. But we'll see. Who knows, really? But in the next year or two, there will be opportunities, whether that's in the housing market or that's in the business market. And you having access to cash is a huge piece of that, right? And so it makes this you know, show more relevant and this idea of like, how do you make more money? And then how do you keep more of your money? Cause paying it to uncle Sam isn't helping you either. Yeah. All right. So, but so when you say the, um, I had a question on it and I forgot what it was. Oh, the profit. Yeah, actually you covered it. The 121 and 163. I mean, that's kind of fascinating. It'd be interesting to see maybe, I don't know if you do a post on that or we can talk about it in another episode, but talk about like, what defines a second home, all that type of stuff. Cause I know for Ivana and I, we've thought about that too. Like, Oh, it sucked to, to sell and then have to pay rent. Now my current solution is, well, I could actually just make more money and go buy another house and then, you know, rent this one out, which is, which is a good way to go. Um, I mean, so the guy who's considered the make more portion of the yes. <laughs> uh, pod show, whatever this actually is. Um, yeah. That seems like a good solution, Dominic. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> it turns out, and we've talked about this a lot in our early episodes. It there is, you know, there is opportunity to make more money. There's plenty of money in this world uh, to be had. Uh, if if this uh, Ukraine situation taught us anything, that the Russian oligarchs have a lot of it. 
um, there is money to be had, right? And and you can get a, a you can get your piece of it if you just you just go after it. So uh, somebody asked about best place to keep that said cash. I'm sure that's a bigger discussion, but what's uh, what's your thoughts? I'm gonna do, and we'll probably do it next week. But I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you guys on stuff that they are doing. Literally, they are doing, and they are Congress people and presidents and banks and corporations and tons of wealthy people that they don't talk about and no it's not a secret and a big conspiracy theory it just literally um is one of the best kept secrets today 50 years ago it wasn't but um where you can have cash grow tax-free access it when needed and get a better rate of return than point zero 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 one two percent i keep you know, a sizable amount of cash just right in my business from COVID. And I mean, on a healthy size of cash, Dominic, um, I think my interest earned for my bank last year was like $7. And, and it was like, guys, seriously, like you obviously need the $7 yeah. for it. You got to keep it. Now, the reason, by the way, that cash will not sit there forever. I practice what I preach as the keep more. But um, it was just a like weird time where like, okay, we're kinda let's just make sure cash flow is really good, everything's going great, but let's make sure that this is going. Hey, before we jump into you and thank you for giving kind of the um, the intro Dom that I was supposed to give at the beginning, I got all fired up on um, you know, just what we were chatting about. So I forgot. I'm supposed to give you guys an introduction about the show and all that stuff. To give you some math, guys some math real quickly. So this assumes, this is for one of my clients that's 27 years old. So we were looking at what she was doing beyond the match of her work. And we're like, okay, let's reroute $10,000 of that money that you're contributing that's more than what they're matching you on up to the match. So we're going to pay that tax down, get it over with. And we're going to compare where this ends up. So let me give you guys this number here. So we were going to make a $10,000 contribution to age 65. So from her age, that's 37 years. So the contribution is 370000 Now, if we took the same money and put it into her 403B right now, that would actually be because we're assuming a 28% tax rate. We're going to gross up what she contributes, which means to that account, we're actually going to contribute $13,889. Does that make sense to you, Dominic? Yeah. And if you're listening, if it doesn't make sense, just pop it in the chat and I'll go back and explain it. But all we're saying is that's the whole point of the 401k contribution or 403b or IRA or whatever. It goes in pre-tax, so you save those taxes now. So that's why we went, hey, to be fair, we got to put more into that account because now we're paying the taxes and getting it over with over here. So we save on three on a $370,000 contribution, which we're going to bump up by 28%. So we'll call it more like uh, $500,000. We saved about $130,000 in taxes right now. Okay. So if we fast forward out, and say, okay, it's 65, we're going to start taking that money out to live on 
First of all, to match the tax-free alternative that I'll talk to you guys about next week, we would have to pull uh, about $160,000 a year. And the problem is the money runs out after 10 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. And again, for you guys, that's not the part we're worried about right now. Here's the crazy part. To match the income of the tax-free vehicle, we would have to pay $512,613 in taxes at the same rate that she saved the taxes at now. So if you remember, we only put about $500,000 in the first place. But remember, they want the tax on all of the gain from that point forward when you go to pull it out. Now, what if taxes go up because the government is $30 trillion in debt right now? Well, now <laughs> she's going to pay more, maybe one and a half times double what she contributed in the first place, and she has no control over it. Again, because the government controls that and can be like, sorry, guys, we need more money. Sucks to be you. So, again, that's why I hammer on this so much, because the government kind of counts on people not doing the math on this. And again, absolutely, I guarantee you, there's a client or two on mine on this podcast right now that I have said, yeah, those rules are for everybody else. You get enough other stuff going on. We can afford to max this out because you're in such a high tax bracket now. And we can still put money places where we can get our hands on it. But those are the things to chat about, and uh, I'm going to make another espresso while you while I turn the show over to you, or you fire off any questions that we have. I did not want to cheat you on your time. No, and I, I think you again, it's bringing up a great point of like there are just so many places, and, and a lot of it just has to be what we've been trained. I mean, if you grew up in any sort of corporate environment, and I think a lot of both of our audiences are people who are probably. Ha- are turning their side hustle into their main hustle or have turned their side hustle into their main hustle, you know, came out of some sort of former corporation executives like, you know, uh, I mean, I was in an executive position before starting my company and, you know, you, you do that sort of thing. And so you're trained of like, Oh, okay, cool. I remember starting when we started right mind, I remember looking into, okay, so now what I don't have a 401k anymore. So what's going to be my new retirement vehicle? I'm going to start putting money in that's like a 401k. In fact, I looked into 401ks for my business and they're just such a nightmare to set up for a small business. But I was like, you know, your mindset just teaches you that's the whole thing. And then somebody comes along and goes, hey, man, what about cash value, whole, you know, cash value life insurance? Or what about, and you're like, wait, what? I could do what with, <laughs> and that does how? And it's never... Well, look, if it's set up correctly, it's fantastic. But a brokerage account with a margin account tied to it where you can access the money without having to sell anything works great, too. We're going to talk about those. But super good. By the way, guys listening, Dominic's got his fancy podcast set up which is awesome. He looks good. You look professional. I've got my poor iPhone that I can't even get my uh, AirPods to work on today. What I want is... How does Dominic sound versus me? I have a feeling you do sound better. So, um, but if you guys want to pop that in the chat, Dominic, tell me about following up with people. If for no other reason, keep myself for a moment long enough to uh, make an espresso. By the way, I'll do the the, uh, break. 
we are, this is the Make More, Keep More show. I am the Keep More portion, Ron Carruthers. Dominic at Real Biz Advisors is the Make More portion. He is, well, of course your wife thinks you sound amazing. <laughs> she doesn't care. It's totally cheating. Your wife says you sound amazing. And uh, my wife wants to know if I'm having a stroke because the thing froze real quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on. You guys, love, you guys like the way Dominic sounds, but how about me? How do I sound? <laughs> uh, well, that's the difference between your phone and a you know a thousand dollar mic setup here. I mean, that is that is kind of the the difference, I suppose. But yeah, no. Listen, so the, this whole uh, follow up discussion is an interesting one. So I'll I'll give the setup so Ron can actually make his coffee. Because the way, last thing though, this is the show every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. The goal is we run about an hour, and the goal is to talk about all things related to the making and growing of your wealth and the keeping the most of it for you, you selfish bastards not wanting to give it all away to somebody else. So that's the point of our show. So Dominic's going to chat about some keep more stuff, I mean, some make more stuff. And uh, I'm going to meet myself just long enough to get an espresso. And I guarantee you guys that my happiness will increase by at least 15%. It's amazing. I like that. Good, good on you, man. So, yeah. So, Ron and I were prepping for the show this week. And we were talking about some of the things he wanted to share his three tax tips. And he's like, what are you going to talk about in sales? And I was like, I don't really know. I'm thinking of something right now. I'll work it out. And he goes... Dude, yeah. You know, now we get a we get a play by play of the uh, espresso being made. I like that too. <laughs> it's good. Uh, so he turns to me and he goes, "So beautiful." It's so beautiful. Uh, so he says to me, "Hey man, how, how can how can we follow up?" He's like, "I actually got clients. If he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I'm gonna share it anyway, even if he does. Uh, I got some clients who are like just go dark on me. You know, we're, we got to follow up. Like, how do you follow up with people without annoying the crap out of them? And look, I, the thing is, is, it's a great question because. The reality is, is how many of us have had just been so annoyed by a, some sales rep that's following up with you. And so we kind of, I think in, in terms of when we think about doing it, we're really nervous. We're hyper nervous about doing the same thing to other people. So let me go back to a topic, slight bit of the topic, why this is so relevant. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that pre-pandemic, to get somebody from like your initial outreach to actually get them to agree to meet with you took about eight attempts. During the pandemic, it's up to 18. So massive difference between where you were and where you are today with regard to follow-up. Now, once you meet with somebody, and, and, and just as being that we're talking about the, the pandemic for a second, think about it. Some people go, well, that'll probably come back down as we come out of the pandemic. I don't think so. Here's why. A lot of the reason that drives you to, to make it harder for to get a hold of somebody is because people are doing exactly what we're doing. I'm working from home, right? I don't have an office anymore. We got rid of that lease. Like I built something in my backyard for, for myself. And then, you know, you've got all sorts of people. So it is a little bit diff more difficult to get a hold of them. And I think that's going to stay the, the case for quite some time. Now, once you meet with them, it's anywhere from eight to 12 follow-ups to close the deal. Right now, sure, some of you are going to close the deal on the spot. That does happen. Um, and if you're in like a low dollar figure type of stuff, like anything less than, let's say, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, you probably can close that in one shot because it's not a big, big, massive purchase for a decent-sized customer. But you start getting into the high ticket stuff where you're north of $100,000, you're a million dollars, you're looking at eight to 12 follow-ups. So it's a lot of opportunity to follow up. It's also a lot of opportunity to annoy 
annoy people. So here's what I'll say is the main thing to keep in mind is that every interaction, if every interaction that you have with that client or that prospect is you trying to either get the appointment or close the sale, which I know this sounds counter. You're like, well, duh, that's why I'm following up. Yeah. But if every interaction feels like that to the client, then I don't know about my any parents in our audience, <laughs> but it's like taking a long road trip with your kid. And what do they keep asking you? Are we there yet? Sorry, yeah. yeah. And it, it, yeah. And at some point you want to do the, my mom's favorite famous reach around smack. Now my mom is a different era. So, you know, beating your kids was okay. I'm not suggesting you should do that. Bonnie is old school. (laughs) Ron knows my mom. So Bonnie was the go to the yard and pick your own switch. And if it's not big enough, I'll go pick it for you. Kind of parent. (laughs) Very much so. Very much so. So you following up with somebody like that going like, well, is basically, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we we meeting yet? Are we meeting yet? Did you buy yet? Did you buy yet? Like that's annoying. So what you have to do is really make your, your follow-up meaningful. And and how do you go about doing that? Right. Cause you're like, Dom, yeah, duh. Well, so one of the big things is share industry insights. I talked about this a few weeks ago. There was actually a study that was done by a company called HubSpot. Some of you are probably familiar with them. Said 92% of buyers will happily meet with a salesperson and speak with them if that salesperson brings relevant industry insight. How many sales reps do that? Darn near zero, right? So if you can, I teach something that's called the triad, um, or what, what I coined the triad is this idea of like, how do you share three points of interest inside of a narrative to a bunch of people so that they're, they're really interested in what you have to talk about? And if you have that format, then you can send that in an email or in a, dig, in a direct message or something to them. That, that really is helpful. But here's the thing. Here's what I see when it comes to email and direct mail. Don't blow your... Okay, my wife will kill me if I say that. Uh, <laughs> don't... Yeah, yeah, I just, rain it in, Dom. Rain it in. It's a family-friendly show. Uh, don't use all your follow-ups in one shot. How about that? That's a better way of saying it. Um, Because I'll see this happen. Somebody will hit me up on LinkedIn, send me a message, you know, connect connection request, send a message immediately, follow up with an email, call me, and then follow me on Instagram all in one day. Technically, that was five of your 18 follow-up opportunities, but the 18 follow-up opportunities can't happen in one day. I was going to say, technically, that's stalking and somebody should put a restraining order out is kind of what I'm thinking here. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's how people feel. So when you want to space things out, so let's say you reach out to somebody and connect with them. Well, then like a couple of their posts, not on the same day, just find one. Wait till they post something like, yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn, right? So I post a lot there. Also post a lot, obviously, on Instagram. Should you follow me? A couple of days later, comment on one of the posts. A couple of days later, send me a DM. Hey, this is you know something interesting I, I noticed. Anything like that, just space it out a little bit. You have to do the 18 follow-ups. Interestingly enough, ideally, all 18 of those follow-ups are done in 28 days or less. It's not too much less. 21 to 28 days. So... You know what I mean? So that at that point, you have to think in terms of you are doing it, but it better be meaningful. Here's another one. Don't be afraid of snail mail. Like people overlook this. This is gold is you can mail something to somebody. Now you got to get their address. I mean, I I understand there's some challenges, but let's say you can get a hold of their address. There's this guy I know. 
he may even be listening. He runs a pretty successful podcast himself, but he sends little plastic soldiers. He's a marketing agency. And he's like, what would it be like if you had an army behind you? Now it's super corny, granted. Those stupid little toy soldiers, he orders them by like a hundred pack because he he'll send them like a hundred pack of these little things or fifty pack. Uh, you can get those. Yeah, Amazon. It's like five bucks or something. He sends it out to them and then says, "What if you had an army behind you?" That's what my team brings to the table. Now that's not his only follow up, right? Because that would be people would be like, Who, "Who's this moron?" This sent me a thing. But they've presumably maybe saw his podcast. He'll send him an episode say, hey, I thought of this one. This was really cool. And he interviews some pretty big names. Like he's interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, you know, all these different people. So he'll send one that he's like, hey, this is so you can do a little positioning there. But it's really cool. So I, I've sent books to people that I thought might be relevant to them. Like, hey, this is a book I read. I love it. I think it might be cool for your situation. Think about it. If you spend, let's say, even 100 bucks on a mailer to close a $100,000 deal, you won. All day, right? Um, I actually have a video right now that my team is editing to put up here on Instagram. So you guys will probably see this soon enough. But I shot a video on like, don't be afraid to jump on a plane. Like if I had to... I was thinking about this morning. If I had to probably add it up, Yvonne might have a better sense of this. But I'd guess I've spent probably $10,000 on flights, but landed a million dollars worth of business. You know what's interesting, Dominic? If I can interrupt you real quickly... If any of you guys have not seen Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks, yeah, is, um, Walt Disney, it's the story of him getting the Mary Poppins, you know, the rights to Mary Poppins so they could make the movie out of it. And there was a great scene in there where he, he just, they, she would not, the author would not release those rights. And so he hopped on a plane, went to London to go and talk to her and make his pitch and that's what ended up sealing the deal for him. And, you know, look, it's Tom Hanks. So, of course, it's a great movie. And, um, you know, Disney's gone a little crazy right now. But but the original premise of Disney was awesome. And, um, yeah, it's great. He, that's exactly what he did. There was, yeah. weren't getting anywhere. He jumped on a plane and basically showed up at her place unannounced. And, uh, again, we you don't want to cross the line and do stalker, but... You understand the point. Yeah, I've closed a lot of business down in Australia, for instance. I've done a ton of work down there, largely because I hopped on a plane and went down there and met with them. And people literally told me like, wow, I've never seen you know an American, they use less friendly terms, but an American ever get on a plane and come down here. This is an 18-hour flight from my house. you know. So it's, it's no joke to get down there. Well, it's 16, but either way, it's a long flight. But it's worth it. And, and you know, you got to be careful about it. I've never done it unannounced, but I've definitely like, hey, listen, I'm uh, actually going to be in your area. And I don't make it weird if they're like in the middle of nowhere, but you can put it like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, an hour away at some place. Um, hey, would it be cool if I stopped by? One of the things I talk about for that is why that's so important during your follow up is because people love to talk about their stuff. They love to show off what's cool about what they do. So I gave one of the examples I had is uh, I was at, uh, I got a chance to sell ESPN a few years ago. So fly to their Bristol, Connecticut campus. That was one thing. We flew there, right, to actually meet with them and spend some time with them. Those dudes wanted to show off everything. We walked studio to studio, the NFL studio, the baseball studio, the everything, checked it all out, which of course, as a sports fan was like one of my coolest experiences ever. 
Totally. But it just proved the point that these guys didn't have to do that. We could have just sat in their office and, and worked on the deal. They took us to lunch in the employee break room. So all the like guys you see on TV are all and, and ladies are all just sitting around us at all the tables, which was awesome, right? You're like, oh my God, I recognize all these people. Uh, see, saw Scott Van Pelt, you know, I mean, all, all these guys. And it's, but it, they didn't need to do that. They wanted to do that because they want to show off their thing. I, a couple of years ago or many years ago now, actually, I was in there, I was at a business and they were like, they made parts for airplanes. And uh, I, I was like, I don't quite, I got to be honest with you. I don't quite understand what you guys are talking about. Is there any way we could walk the floor with you? And they were like, oh, we'd love to. So we had to put on hard hats and safety glasses and do the whole thing and rock, you know, walk out there and walk the whole floor, which actually, incidentally enough, was I was like, oh my God, this is what they're asking for. Okay. Changed my whole sales pitch because I was on a completely different trajectory because of that. But they were also, they made a comment later, they closed the deal. It was a $150,000, deal. And they said, you were the only one who asked to see what we actually do. Wow. So... You know, that's to me, those are the reasons why you got to get in front of people and spend some time. And yeah, you'll also have some pretty darn cool experiences because of it, um, you know, which is, which is great. So a lot of being, doing follow up is spacing it out, understand you got to follow up a lot in a small period of time. Um, interestingly, size of deal doesn't change that a whole lot. There might be more players, but usually the numbers stay about the same. So whether you're a deal under 100,000 or over 100,000, kind of doesn't matter. You just have to do the follow-up. Here's the scary part. You remember how I said 18 follow-ups? I think I talked about this in one of the shows, but do you know what the average is per sales rep? None or one. One. Oh my God. (laughs) I'll give you really good. Here, let me one final example. I'll give you actually, because I don't see this very often, but I got to give credit where credit's due. Dude from AT&T of all things, like which, you know, normally none of us want to talk to some AT&T rep. I don't either. Guy sent me an email, then sent me a message on LinkedIn, all spaced out. Then he sent a text message because obviously he had our phone number because we're AT&T people already. Sent this, this, this. And he basically, every, every interaction with me was like, Hey, listen, I know you basically don't want to talk to me, but I do think looking at your overall situation, you should convert from this to this. And he, he brought like detail. Hey, did you know businesses of your sort of your size can actually save this much, whatever? I didn't count it up. I should. It might've been close to 18 follow-ups, but when we finally got on the phone with him, we bought like, I feel like everything possible <laughs> from the guy. But it was because he didn't give up. And so it comes some point, and remember I talked to you, you laughed at my analogy a bit. Sales is a little bit like hovering like a vulture waiting for something to die. There is, there's a little bit of that because what it took ultimately was we had a problem all of a sudden. We were trying to figure out how to get internet into this office. And I was like, should we talk to that AT&T guy that keeps following up? And we did. And he solved a bunch of stuff, saved us a bunch of money. Every single sales rep, anybody on here trying to sell something, chances are you can save somebody money, make them some money, do something for them, free up their time. Every one of you is selling something that's a benefit to somebody. But if you don't follow up and do it in a meaningful way, it's just wasted. Nobody knows that. And what I would throw in, Dominic, is uh, there's a principle for marketing kind of 101. They call it top of consciousness. And so if you follow up consistently, if you think of it this way, David Ogilvy, the great ad man, mm. you guys watched Mad Men, 
they kind of referenced him several times when like Roger was trying to get his book written. It's because Ogilvy had one. And he's one of the greatest bad men of all time. What David Ogilvy said that was so interesting is life is a moving parade. And so when it comes to business, someone you didn't have a need for AT&T until you couldn't get internet in the office, right? But then that guy followed up enough so that when it came time and you had that need, your need changed. Now all of a sudden you're like, all right, I got to call this AT&T guy. Like it's, you know, he's been persistent. So I think that applies. And by the way, I would say that this applies to everything in life. Like literally, if you're trying to get a job somewhere or you're trying to get a promotion or you're trying to get your bosses to notice you. So I, I would say the context is greater than just if you have clients for it, like literally being the person who keeps following up and keeps following up and keeps following up and keeps following up and still keeps following up, but in a kind of cool way and, and switching up the media, you know, so you're not just blowing them up on LinkedIn, 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 but LinkedIn and email, commenting on a post, sending a snail mail, sending a postcard, all that stuff, you know, all of it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, think about, to your points, the consciousness, like Ogilvy talked about, who, who, by the way, guys, if you haven't ever read anything by, like, Ogilvy on advertising or any of these things, if you've got any any interest or ever want to just understand how marketing works today, how, like, Facebook advertising or Instagram is no different than newspapers and no different than early TV ads. Changed in, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. By the way, Ogilvy on advertising actually has a topless French lady in it. Uh, so, um, you know, like there's that as well. And and by the way, it's Ogilvy. And um, for anybody asking, and there was a couple questions in there. If Ivana can grab them, that would be great because we'll cover them. Dominic. Yeah, I was trying to find I have the Ogilvy book over here. I just was trying to figure out. I can't. Remember, I show it to everybody. But if you, if you, uh, it's yeah, Ogilvy is O G I L V Y, I think. Well, um, yeah, if you just look it in there, you'll find it real quickly. So not only does it have like great text and a great understanding of timeless um, advertising principles, there's lots of pictures and it's showing what he was doing. There's a great Rolls Royce ad in there. And then there is the topless French lady. For those of you that don't get out of the house a whole lot and don't have the internet. Um, so there you go. I think uh, one of the questions that, because uh, um, all Saunders has been sending me a few of these too as they go by, um, is that one of the questions was, and I think we covered a little bit, uh, but somebody asked if you have savings, what's the first thing you should invest into? I think we're going to cover, I think you mentioned you want to cover that maybe next week, next Friday. I'm going to talk about that next week. And I think we're actually, uh, I think we're going to come up your way. So we might even be in your your studio next week. So maybe you'll let me the uh, microphones and headsets or something like that. Stop being all stingy. I uh, ordered a second one just for you, buddy. So it's... Uh... How about that next week and start to build out your legit financial planning um, pyramid on all that? Because um, the one that most people have versus the one they should have is really those don't match a lot. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have question wise? 
Um, there was a question about just follow up, which I think I copy, I uh, went over and, uh, uh, Mr. Archer, I think is with the, the, the whole sign said no stocking. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, for sure. So right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me, uh, do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think we've got some good some good content. By the way, guys, if, if again, it's make more, keep more. So this show is really all about what you guys were. We're obviously uh, talking a lot about uh, different different things here um, regarding making money and and keeping money. So today we got some good questions about investments, which we'll put we'll talk about in next week's. If you've got any questions on where can you make some more money. Um, opportunities for investments, uh, anything that you want to do about sales, follow-up, marketing for that matter. Both of us have a fair bit of experience uh, marketing. Um, I run marketing for some pretty large companies right now. So there are uh, we, we can answer all those questions. So if you guys got something, hit us either, either one of us up on Instagram. Um, we do get some questions here and there t- towards or during the week. Uh, we're happy to cover those when we, when we get together for sure. I concur. I'm a little crazed because, um, oh, Behashmi, you had one of the questions that I wanted to answer, but I don't remember it. Um, I have one of the questions somebody just asked is drop shipping a great business. I have a lot of clients who are making really good money doing that. Now, mm-hmm. oh, Rock Hill Bro, sorry, dude. It was, um, it's tax season. So my last week was. Um, not quite as bad as the Titanic after hitting the iceberg, but things just got a little hectic. So I'll go back and find that DM over the weekend and, um, make sure we follow up on that. So anyway, um, Vigil's local tax. I think a couple of questions came through. If Ivana can just grab those. Yeah. Alessandra has been uh, screen capturing those. So I'll take care of those and make sure we, we uh, pull those together for your, for everybody for, for next week. And we'll definitely get them, uh, answered there. So awesome, man. I think, uh, I think we've covered some good, uh, make money, keep money, uh, things. Uh, and, uh, at some point we will have intro music. I bought the tech to be able to do that, but I was scared to use it this today without testing it. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring that into a, a future iteration there. Um, and then, yeah, next week actually it'll be interesting because you just muted work or I'm trying to figure out how to get that tech to work, but we'll be sitting here at the, uh, studio together. Yeah. Did I? Screwed up that tech because you muted yourself for a second, but we got the general idea. So, guys, if you tuned in yeah. late every Friday, it's make more, keep more. I think we kind of generally, I don't know, I like the format, if you don't mind, of course I do, of doing kind of the keep more piece first because that kind of applies to everybody, and then we can slide into the make more if you have your business. I don't know, Dominic, we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it. You know what? We'll, we'll negotiate. We'll come to the table. We'll have my people and your people work it out. Yeah, exactly. So, Goal of the show is to talk about all things money. And uh, oh, welcome, Maria Faye, IFBB Pro. We're happy to have a first time listener always. We want you back next Friday. I'm going to be checking to see if you're there. And um, thank you guys for all the kind words. And if there's anything we can do to make this better, besides getting intro music and uh, getting me better equipment, um, we'll do it. All right, guys. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next week, 8 a.m. sharp pacific and um every friday we'll see you guys then take care awesome soon talk to you soon